0: Who is an independent contractor and who is an employee? A court decision regarding that definition tops our top news stories for March. I'm Vesla Brejkovic, HDT's Managing Editor, and I'm here with Editor-in-Chief Deborah Lockridge to recap the top news stories of the past month and bring you updates and insights into those stories on this episode of HDT Talks Trucking.
1: This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at circlekfleetcards.com.
0: Before we dive in, don't forget to follow and connect with us on your favorite social media platforms and subscribe so you don't miss an episode of HDD Talks Trucking. Our most read news story of the month was court reinstates Trump era independent contractor definition. Deborah, I know you've been covering this story um, What can you tell us about this?
1: Um, Yeah, okay, a little background on the issue here um, with independent contractors. Uh, The issue is often called employee misclassification. And there are some companies that try to get out of paying overtime and benefits workers' comp by saying their workers are independent contractors when in reality they're treated as employees. And so there have been efforts, especially among pro-labor groups to crack down on that type of abuse. Uh, it does happen in trucking. Um, it's especially been an issue with drivers at the ports. There've been some problems with some uh, lease purchase programs that end up being sort of the next thing to intention servitude, honestly. Um, but while these abuses do exist, the thing is, the efforts to address the problem end up going too far the other way, and then they penalize trucking companies that legitimately use owner operators. So, uh, for instance, um, we've still under appeal is California's AB5 law, which sets forth an ABC test. I'm not going to get into all the details of what that is, but it would essentially outlaw um, the least on owner-operator model as we know it in trucking, is what a lot of people think, um, and uh, Pro-labor groups wanna make this the federal standard as well. Um, So on the federal level, the issue comes into play under the Fair Labor Standards Act, which guarantees minimum wages and overtime, but that doesn't apply to independent contractors. Um, But at the same time, the FLSA doesn't really provide clear guidance on how to distinguish an employee from an independent contractor. And so the Labor Department um, has had to come up with various definitions. Uh, to try
0: to define that. So then what happened in March? So going
1: back uh, during the last days of the Trump administration, the Labor Department published a rule that would create a new definition of independent contractor. And and that would have made it harder to say an independent contractor was really an employee. It was welcome news to motor carriers that use owner operators and to owner operators who like being independent contractors. But that rule was one of the top targets of the incoming Biden administration. And it repealed it within months of taking office. A group of business organizations, including one that uh, the American Trucking Associations is a member of, challenged it in court. And so in March, a federal judge in Texas ruled in the challenger's favor saying that the administration didn't give enough time for people to comment before walking back that Trump era definition. And thus, the rule was basically void.
0: So then do you know what happens next?
1: For now, the court ruling uh, reinstates that Trump administration definition of independent contractor. It's not likely that will stay because uh, the Biden administration, I'm sure, will take action to, again, kill the trump era definition it could appeal the court's decision or it could just go back through another rulemaking that gives the proper 30 days of notice to submit contents comments (laughs) Um, so vesna fill us in on the number two story
0: Navistar opened their brand new manufacturing plant in San Antonio to industry reporters last month. HGT's very own Jim Park joined them to give us an inside look at the almost 1 million square foot facility, which is equipped to produce Class 6 to Class 8 vehicles, including electric vehicle models. Actually, the first truck off the line was a battery electric medium duty International EMV. Um, So in this top news story, Jim broke down the facility's latest high tech sustainable manufacturing techniques, including things like fuel cell forklifts and the company's focus on lean manufacturing principles to eliminate waste and increase production efficiency. Um, and this facility, which has been up and running since January, was actually the first commercial truck assembly plant opened in the US since the early 90s. Um, and it's much needed. it's already set to hit full capacity by this summer. Um, and we have a photo gallery up online if you want to take a peek and in, sign more. Um, and we'll be right back with the number three story.
1: Clarion's Technologies is a global leader in transportation technology known for its family of innovative brands including truck light, road-ready advanced telematics, echo safety systems, rigid industries, and Davco filtration, all of which propelled by Clarion's best-in-class capabilities, global scale, and extensive industry insight provide the technologies that keep the world moving forward. To learn more about Clarion's Technologies and its family of brands, Visit www.clarionstechnologies.com. Our third hottest news story was a new proposed federal emissions rule. The trucking industry has been expecting the federal government to tighten diesel emissions regulations again, and in March the EPA issued the proposed rule, and it could cut NOx by as much as 60% come 2045. NOx is short for nitrogen oxides and it's a major component of smog. The last time EPA tightened NOx rules was with the phased in emission standards that went into effect between 2000 and 2010 at the same time they were cutting uh, particulate emissions. Uh, Since then, the EPA has been more focused on cutting greenhouse gas emissions by improving fuel economy. And it has traditionally been a real challenge to do both with NOx rules uh, having the possibility to adversely affect fuel economy. But the EPA says that now that vehicle technology has advanced to the point that it feels like it can do that. Uh, This rule is designed to harness some of those advancements. And it also takes into account uh, the vehicle electrification that we've seen that uh, was not even on the horizon when the previous rules were written.
0: And so what are some of the changes that these rules would cause?
1: So the proposal targets emissions in a broader range of operating conditions than the previous rule. Uh, The EPA said it found that NOx emissions from heavy-duty diesels are high during types of operation that aren't covered in the current rules. Um, And these are conditions that uh, include low load and idling, Um, for instance, that's common at the ports in southern california where pollution's a real problem you know trucks are idling they're sitting there waiting to pick up containers um, so these would be new standards they would include new prote- new test procedures a new regulatory definition of useful life and other requirements
0: so do you know what the industry reaction has been to this so far
1: um there was a flurry of statements that came out afterwards and I would say, um, cautious optimism or maybe optimistic caution. (laughs) Um, They typically, you know, we agree with the goals of reducing emissions, but, you know, a lot of groups have concerns about whether these limits are gonna be technically feasible. They also worry that we could see a repeat of what happened with the last round of EPA NOx Particulate matter regulations, those engines had reliability problems when they first came out. Um, in fact, it led many truckers to hold off on buying new, cleaner burning engines. Um, so, in some ways, uh, it had some, I guess, unintended consequences of uh, people not getting the lower pollution engines because they just uh, didn't want to deal with the headaches.
0: Yeah, exactly. And moving on to number four on the list news about the fuel price spike we saw after Russia invaded Ukraine. The national average price of an on-highway diesel fuel hit a record $5.25 on March 14th. Deborah, you've been covering this story, including President Biden's announcement that he's releasing an unprecedented amount of fuel of oil from the strategic petroleum reserves. Why have prices spiked? Well, the most immediate
1: cause is the war in Ukraine. Russia is a large crude oil producer and fuel prices follow oil prices. Uh, So even though the US, uh, which has banned Russian oil and gas imports only gets about 10% of our supply from Russia, oil is a global commodity. Uh, You may remember when the pandemic lockdown hit in 2020, roads all over the world were eerily empty. Uh, With that huge drop in demand, there was suddenly an oil glut and prices plummeted uh, and oil producers cut back on production. And they've been slow to ramp back up since the economy and demand started coming back. So the roots of it are earlier than uh, the Ukraine situation, but that really caused things to spike. Um, Oil prices already had Steadily increased over the last year, uh, from about $60 a barrel to 93-ish right before the Ukrainian invasion. But then, after the invasion, they spiked to $130 a barrel. That's um, that is actually not the record. Um, the record top happened in 2008, topping $140 a barrel. Uh, and in fact, although prices for gas and diesel both hit a record in March. Uh, Department of Energy pointed out that if you adjust those for inflation, they're still not quite as high as the all-time highs we saw back in 2008. Uh, But the DOE also said that it's never seen fuel prices increase so rapidly in a three-week period. So, uh, and when fuel prices spike that quickly, the pain is greater. And speaking of the continuing after effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, that leads us to the final story on our top five news from March. And Vesna, give us the story there.
0: Well, Deborah, supply chain uncertainty is still making the headlines. We report on Class A truck order levels for every month based on reports from industry analysts at FTR and ACT Research. And in last month, that story made our fifth spot. So Class 8 truck orders were actually stable in February, coming in about uh, um, 21,000 units down just 2% month over month. But that doesn't mean good news for future production. FDR reported that OEMs are not confident that the supply chain will improve in the short term. So what they're doing is that they're controlling that number of official orders very carefully, keeping backlogs at a manageable level. OEMs continue to book fleet requirements a portion at a time in order to not overbook those production schedules.
1: So what does this mean for demand for new trucks?
0: So FDR's uh, VP of commercial vehicles explained that when we see these steady order numbers, that doesn't necessarily reflect at all, really, the demand, the huge demand for new trucks right now. So make no mistake, there is a severe shortage of new and used trucks. Um, The economy continues to generate steady freight growth in all segments. He says, even with the recent stagnant booking volumes, orders for the last 12 months are at an impressive uh, 320,000 units.
1: And I know that's a major headache for trucking fleets that are trying to to get trucks to meet the high demand for freight.
0: Yeah, I hear it all the time.
1: Yep. All right, so thanks, Vesna. That's it for this episode of HGT Talks Trucking. And we'll be back in a month with another top news update. Be sure to check out our other episodes, video or audio, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.